0: My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. I'm here today, ladies and gentlemen, to offer a cautionary tale. Now, we're all familiar with stories of triumph over adversity... Of folks whose path, though crooked, led prayerfully and carefully to the straight and narrow. But what of those who elude redemption? Sinners given succor who, none the less, cannot shake the bonds of miscreancy. I bring you one such anecdote, featuring someone I've discussed in multiple broadcasts. The story of a boy whose road to ruin turned into a six-lane highway to disaster. I refer, of course, to that young fellow who formerly served as an assistant clerk at the truvo seed co-op yes sir now you'll recall his checkered history as previously described how i chastised him for perfidy regarding bauble-headed geegaws how i chastise him again for wearing overalls when he himself was not a farmer a case of stolen valor if ever there was one You may even remember how he subsequently shot a hole in the ceiling of a local bank while dressed in rumba panties, something he inaccurately attributed to a psychotic break brought on by said chastisements. Anyway, that last episode sent him straight to prison. All in all, he lost his home, his lovely fiancée, and his freedom. A pretty sorry situation for a 19-year-old lad. Especially one who was working his way up the seed co-op ladder. Well, Saturday I'd scored two nice cantaloupes at Clemmer's Value Food and was just heading back to the truck when who do I see? That's right, the former assistant clerk. Unshaven, in torn dirty clothing, sitting on the sidewalk. His back was propped against the lamppost in front of Earl's plumbing supply, and his eyes were staring into the distance. Being a law-abiding type, I went with my first instinct. "'Help!' I cried. "'There's a desperate escaped convict roaming our streets. "'Somebody call the sheriff.' With this, the boy started and looked up. "'I ain't no escapee,' says he, his voice like sandpaper. "'They let me out.' I'm on parole. Oh, says I, and told Earl, who'd emerged from his store wielding his Mossberg Maverick, that he could go back inside. False alarm, I told him, he's a free man. All right then, says Earl, but he gave the boy a withering glare before returning to his shop, cause good old Earl, he's no friend to felons. Well, congratulations on your release, says I. But as I turn to leave, the lad pipes up. He might just as well have shot me. I'm ruined and have nothing to live for. My dear fellow, says I, that can't be true. Oh, yes it is, says he. Thanks to your machinations, Farmer Gray, I've been disowned by my family and have lost my Polly May, the only woman I'll ever love. Plus, now that I've a record, I'm unemployable. My only friend now is this bottle, and with that he pulls a pint of aviator from his pocket and downs a mighty gulp. That's where you're wrong, says I, because, Mr. Former Clerk, I too am your friend, and a far better one than a swallow of eighty proof. Friend, cries he, it's you who brought me low. I curse the day you walked through the door of that seed co-op, for you upended my life forever. "'Now, son,' says I, "'your misfortunes have clouded your mind. "'Everything Farmer Gray did was for your own good.' "'My own good!' he shouted back. "'You spanked my bare bottom in front of ladies. "'That landed me in a mental hospital. "'Then when I got out, "'you and your farmer friends did unspeakable things to me. "'And when I snapped, shot up a bank, and went to prison,' You made sure I fell in with one of the worst deviates in the whole Mississippi correctional system. You destroyed me, friend. I question your interpretation of events, says I, but whatever occurred, it's all in the past. You're a young man with his whole life in front of him, and no matter what transpired between us, old Farmer Gray won't rest till you're back on your feet. Then I held out my hand to him. And we'll start, says I with putting you literally back on your feet. Stand up, boy. A moment passed, and then the lad, his eyes skeptical, slowly took my hand. With that, I pulled him from the sidewalk so that he stood before me. See, says I, proud and tall. Doesn't that feel better? Actually, I feel a bit dizzy, says he. All that store-bought whiskey, says I. Now the homemade kind, that restores balance and it's good to the bottom of the jug. Healthy, too, just chock full of nutritious grains, or potatoes, or whatever's lying around. Yes, indeed. I'd still rather be sitting, says he, and I'd rather have a million bucks and be on a beach house in paradise, says I, but I have neither, so I make the best of it, and so will you, so will you. Then I handed him the cantaloupes, We'll start your rehabilitation with a small task, says I. Carry these for an old man, will you? Where to? he asked. To my truck, says I. I'm taking you back to the farm. No place like the countryside to set a boy straight. Wait, says he, you mean the same farm where you tortured me, where you made me pull a plough like a mule? Where pull it wearing nothing but Mary Jane's and girls' underpants? Now, son, says I, I recall no such thing, but if it did happen, which it didn't, but if it did, there'll be nothing of the sort this time round. You'll find naught but good will at Farmer Gray's freehold. The lad seemed reluctant, but finally made to climb into the passenger's seat. It was clear, however, that he hadn't bathed in some time. In fact, he smelled worse than that Bigfoot I encountered a short time ago so I bade him take his place in the back. He crawled into the truck bed and drew his knees up to his chest. Please don't drive too fast, says he, for bouncing round without a seat belt I might get motion sick. I'll drive smooth as a flying carpet, says I, a magic flying carpet. And with that we were off. Now, turns out, the ride to Gray Farm may not have been quite as gentle as promised, but that's no fault of mine. The county never paved those back roads, nor have they filled in the ruts. Guess they prefer spending their tax money on free school lunches. I'm not saying you shouldn't feed an indigent child. I just say their mammas and daddies should plant a fine vegetable garden. Then there'd be no need to suck off the government teat. That way, I'd have traveled, on, traveled along asphalt instead of bouncing through divots. And if such were the case, the boy would not have vomited all over himself. But we did, and he did. So it was free lunch one, infrastructure zero. All thanks to that socialist haven, the county board of supervisors. When we at last arrived home, I informed him that I could not permit him to enter the house in his current state. For to quote Thessalonians, says I, God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. And with that I directed him to shed his clothes. He demurred, however. For he feared outdoor nakedness what if someone were to come by says he like a girl or something there'll be no such occurrence says i trust me but i trusted you when you said the ride wouldn't be bumpy said he and i got sick all over myself oh heavens says i if you're gonna live in the past i can be of no help so the young un doffed his rags and i handed him the garden hose and a bar of lye soap he flinched at the cold water for apparently the jail coddled their prisoners with hot showers. But I simply told him to wash and wash well. For as the Bible says, "2 Corinthians 7.1, we must cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. And with that, I struck a match and set his clothes alight. What are you doing? says the boy, aghast. They were unsalvageable, I replied. But I've nothing to wear, says he. Oh, no, says I, then mark the words of Isaiah. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me in the garments of salvation. That's right, boy. Don the robe of righteousness, and ye shall never be without duds. Now, folks, old Farmer Gray is an observant sort. He watches the seasons and the skies, for they are vital to we who sow in the earth and reap its bounty but he does not have eyes in the back of his head, no siree. So can he be blamed for failing to see the Buick Regal pulling in behind him, unloading Mississippi Girl Scout troop number 106? Now, full disclosure, they had telephoned the night before, telling me they'd be dropping by the next day with my cookie order, but gosh, a fellow can't remember everything. And it wasn't me who was standing there naked, so the gals screamed, dropping the shortbread trefoils as they jumped back into the automobile. It was an awkward scene, too. I, I mean, Mrs. Bellamis, the troop leader, looked positively livid as she cried, "'What is the meaning of this?' The boy had run round the side of the house, so I was left to explain for him. "'I tried to get him to use the bathtub inside,' I explained." "'But he just got out of prison, see, "'where the guards are always washing you down with hoses. "'Seems he can't get used to anything else now.' "'That's hardly an excuse to traumatize my girls,' says Mrs. Bellemus. "'Well,' says I, "'whatever you do, don't tell the parole board about this. "'I'm sure they'd frown upon it.' "'The troop leader crossed her arms and said, "'Now that you mention it, I might do that very thing.' And with that she got back into her regal and drove away. Gosh, I thought to myself, I hope I didn't get the boy, did the boy no harm, bringing up the whole parole thing and all. The lad poked his head round the side of the house. You promised no one was coming, says he. And then the Girl Scouts showed up. You steered me wrong again, Farmer Gray. No sense harping on it, says I and it wasn't my idea you should parade around in your birthday suit. Yes, it was, says he. Those were practically your very words. But I dismissed the notion. Telling a young man to display his backside and leeward devilment in my own front yard? Does that sound like something I'd advise? I should think not. Anyway, enough with these recriminations, says I. It's time for you to put some clothes on, boy. And with that, I led him into the house. Now in terms of apparel I faced a real conundrum. I couldn't dress him in my spare overalls, for, as I've said before, no one but a real farmer should sport such attire. And my Sunday suit, well, I needed that for church. So there was just one alternative. I took down an old box from my bedroom closet and handed it to the lad. Long ago, says I, my beloved wife Elspeth and I had hoped to have a son. We even bought clothing in anticipation of such an event, but, alas, it was not to be. However I saved those togs, and you have my permission to wear them." Upon opening the box, however, the young man expressed not gratitude, but horror. "'Velveteen pantaloons and stockings,' cried he, "'frilly sleeves and collar. What sort of sun were you expecting?' "'Elspeth always loved that story, little Lord Fauntleroy,' says I and resolved to dress our boy in his image. I hadn't the heart to refuse her. Well, I can't wear this stuff, says my ungrateful guest. Now, lad, says I, what would the parole board think if they were to learn you refused to cover your nakedness, that you were displaying your wares like some indigenous tribesman instead of accoutering yourself like a good Christian? So it was that the former assistant clerk arrayed himself in velveteen finery. I look ridiculous, says he, a catch in his voice. Life is more than food, says I, and the body more than clothes. Luke 12 I then showed the boy to his room, the very one we had long ago set aside for our future offspring. But there's just a crib in here, says he. Where am I to sleep? Climb in and curl up, says I. You can't stretch out your legs, but true, but it's a soft mattress and a sturdy frame i know because i built it myself then a wave of sadness swept over me built it for nobody well the fellow was so tired he did crawl into the crib though he had to assume the fetal position to fit now isn't that better than sleeping on the street says i nobody better come in here says he a mite petulant if anybody was to see me in little lord fauntleroy clothes "'Sleeping in a crib, I'd never live it down. "'Perish the thought,' says I. "'Farmer Gray is your friend, "'and as such I would never expose you "'to the dire humiliation you describe.' "'But you just did,' says he. "'Son,' says I, weary of his false imputations, "'you either believe that you are safe from prying eyes, "'or you perceive that I would violate your trust.' "'Then he sighed and said, "'Well, since you put it that way,' I must give you the benefit of the doubt, for you seem an honorable man, and I will take you at your word. With that, the weary fellow drifted off to sleep. Just as well, too, for I had a few chores to run. Indeed, I drove hither and yon for the next ninety minutes, and when I returned and saw the boy was still in dreamland, I woke him only after fastening the dog collar and leash around his neck. What? "'What's going on?' says he, sitting up in the crib. Then he grasped at the collar. "'What's this?' "'Just something I picked up in Zare, at the Zare County Pet Store,' says I. "'But you can't leash me like an animal,' says he. "'Now, now,' says I, "'don't think of it as a dog collar. "'Think of it as a sinner's restraint. "'The world's full of all kinds of temptation "'that might draw a convicted felon back into a life of crime. "'But with this... I can pull you clear of iniquity every time it crosses your path. That's ridiculous, says he. There's no way I'm... But before he could finish, Girl Scout Troop Number 106 marched into the room. The boy let out a scream, while the young ladies, they laughed and pointed at the gentleman in the crib, wearing frills and velveteen. What are they doing here, he hollered. Oh, says I, I invited them in. But, but, he stammered, You gave me your solemn word you wouldn't do that. I recall no such thing, says I. Goodness, how the boy did prevaricate. Get out, get out, don't look at me, cries the boy. Now, son, says I, that's no way to talk to our guests, especially when they're here to offer you a job. No, they're not, says he. They're just here to laugh and make fun. And in fact, yes, they were still laughing. But not out of spite, says I out of joy they laugh because of the grace in their hearts for they've come to help one less fortunate than they meaning you we want you to help us sell cookies says one scout a tall brown-haired girl by the name of nell it was farmer gray's idea he came to us and said there's a young man in distress can you let him sell your wares so he can get back on his feet then nell giggled "'He didn't tell us you were dressed like a girl and in a baby crib.' "'And the other girls laughed even louder than before. "'I'm not dressed like a girl,' shouted the fellow. "'I'm dressed like little Lord Fauntleroy, and he was a boy. Uh, "'Wasn't he?' "'I shrugged and said, "'I guess so.' "'At this point some of the girls were laughing so hard "'they appeared to be gasping for air. "'Now, ladies,' says I, "'quit your joyful noise and explain the task at hand.' just come with us door to door says nell and ask people if they want to buy cookies i ain't going no place dressed like this insisted the young man now son says i you wouldn't want the parole board to hear you refused honest labor you might end up back in the hooskow so it was that the girl scouts and their new employee piled into the back of my pickup for a drive into town the boy got sick again on the bumpy road But this time he leaned way over the side of the truck bed to regurgitate. The girls laughed at the sight, all out of happiness, I suppose, happiness that the devil whiskey was leaving his system. They're a caring breed, those scouts. Anyway, soon enough we were at the first house on the cookie route. As we exited the vehicle, the young ladies explained exactly what they wanted the lad to do to entice the potential customers. I'm not doing that, says the stubborn fellow, but he gasped when I gave the leash a hard tug. I pull ye back, says I, from the sin of sloth. Thou shalt engage in honorable employment, or be back behind bars. I then handed the leash to Nell. If he's recalcitrant, says I, just give it a good yank. I waited by the truck, as the gals led the boy to the front door and rang the bell. It opened to reveal a grizzled old duck in his undershirt, who, right off, said, "'What the heck kind of get-up is that?' The young man was silent, apparently frozen in place, but a sharp pull on the leash brought him back to his senses. "'Uh, good afternoon, sir,' says he. Then, as directed by the girls, he gave a little curtsy and said, "'My name is Fancy Pants. Won't you buy my pretty cookies?' I swear by my velveteen breeches, they're as tasty as I. The scouts were delighted that their salesman was following instructions so well, as evidenced by the laughter they hid behind their hands. Boy, says the potential customer, if you ain't off my property in five seconds, I'm fetching my persuader. Suddenly a familiar voice said, Who's at the door, Daddy? And a young woman appeared beside the old man. A young woman who... To the former assistant clerk's horror was his one-time fiance Polly May, the self-same girl who broke off their engagement when she learned of his perfidy regarding desktop googles, and then double broke it off when she espied him on my property some time back, wiggling the seat of his rumba panties at passers-by. It's a long story, but rest assured, though I took an active part in each of these misadventures, I was in no way at fault not at fault then and not at fault now when polly may's daddy tells her this guy says he's a pretty princess or something and delicious oh my stars says the girl here i was this very day about to come find you come find you and give our love one last chance but now i see you are a hopeless degenerate and i want no further truck with you then she slowly closed the door No further truck at all, said Polly May, as the portal shut. The boy fell to his knees and banged on the door with his fists. Please, my darling, cried he, it's not me, it's Farmer Gray. Farmer Gray has done this to me. A moment later the door opened again, and the lad was staring at the business end of a Bolt Action 700. So he ran to the pickup, tears streaming down his cheeks, and joined the Girl Scouts, who had already retreated to the back, "'Polly May!' he wept as we headed down the road. "'My Polly May!' "'Take it easy, son,' I called from the driver's seat. "'I'm sure you'll sell cookies at the next house.' "'We presently arrived at said destination, "'a red brick affair with a white fence around it. "'An awful high fence, too. "'This must be a very private person,' I told the scouts. "'So they might get ornery. "'But don't worry. "'I'll accompany you to the door, just in case.' glad i did too cause the fellow who greeted us he was awfully big with a shaved bullet head and a crooked nose the former assistant clerk looked back at nell and says he says must i but nell just nodded so he launched into the same speech as before as he concluded with i swear by my velveteen breeches they're as tasty as i the man at the door broke into a wide grin now that's a sales pitch says he That's a sales pitch and a half. I have but one question. And here he lit a Marlboro and took a thoughtful puff. I only ask, says he, is it true? Is what true, asked the boy. Do you, came the reply, taste as good as the cookies? The lad looked confused, so I cleared things up for him. I said, when he asks if you taste as good as the cookies, that's just a metaphor, see? What he really means is, "'Are you a virtuous man full of good fellowship? "'Cause a gentleman like that is finer than any Girl Scout cookies, "'even the lemon-ups.' "'Why, sure,' says the homeowner. "'That's what I meant.' "'Then he took a long draw on that cigarette and said, "'Tell you what, lad, you come inside this domicile "'and show me that good fellowship, I'll buy a dozen boxes.' "'The young ladies jumped up and down, crying, "'Hooray!' But when Nell handed the leash over to the householder, the boy looked a bit reticent. In fact, it almost seemed he was being dragged over the threshold, like a swordfish on a line. This alarmed me a little, so I said, "'Maybe I should join you as well.' "'You'd be welcome,' says the big man. "'But I've only got enough Maxwell House coffee for two. "'Maybe next time, when I've had a chance to get to the store.' Well, that sounded reasonable, so I said— Fine, I'll just wait out here then. In the next moment, the door shut with a slam, followed by several clicks, which made me wonder, gosh, how many locks does a fella need? But I guess he was just protective of that coffee, having so little left. Whatever the case, we had a long wait. In fact, it was more than 20 minutes before the boy closed the deal on those dozen boxes. It was obviously a tough negotiation, too, because... He emerged all glassy-eyed and unsteady on his feet. Also his breeches were on backwards, and I couldn't credit why. "'Did you get the check?' I asked. The young man heaved as if to sob and said, his voice cracking, "'He put it in my underwear.' "'Oh,' says I, "'well, perhaps you should get a wallet. In future, you know.' The sale having been made, we proceeded to the next house, and the next, and the next.' Meantime, the boy lay on his side in the truck bed because he said he couldn't sit down. Don't know what that was all about either, but it made the girls giggle. Worse yet, the boy no longer had his heart in our commerce. In fact, at each door he spoke in a mumble, head down, eyes on his feet. Plus, he teared up every time he recited his speech, which made the cookies seem more depressing than delicious. But Farmer Gray is a sensitive sort and I could surmise why the lad was downcast. Obviously, having been such a smashing success, selling 12 whole boxes to a single customer, he despaired of duplicating the accomplishment. It's a curse to peak too soon. Anyway, it finally came time to take the Girl Scouts back home. As I headed up Mississippi 3, however, I heard an awful commotion from the back. "'What's the clamor?' says I, having pulled onto the shoulder and climbed out of the cab. "'That fella,' says Nell. "'He just jumped out and ran into the woods.' "'Was no one holding the leash?' asked I. "'Yeah,' says the girl, "'but he gnawed through it with his teeth, "'much like a raccoon will chew off his own foot to escape a steel-jaw trap.' "'Well, lady,' says I, "'let that be a lesson to you. "'You can show some folks all the kindness in the world, "'put clothes on their back,' give them a bed to sleep in, even find them gainful employment. But unless they're willing to accept help, it all comes to naught. And just to show, dear listeners, how incorrigible the boy was, he showed up next day at the desk of his parole officer. There he begged the man to send him back to prison, where he said, quote, "'I'll be safe,' unquote. The officer told him that he couldn't go back to jail because he'd done nothing to violate his parole." Oh yeah, said the boy. Then he hauled off and punched the guy in the nose. So he's back behind bars now, which suits him fine, I guess. Some felons are just born recidivists. And that check for a dozen cookie boxes? It bounced. (sighs) Ah, never even got those velveteen breeches back. No, sir. Play me out, Zeke.